Hi. Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Murat Atesh of The Athletic tries to answer the question, what's wrong with the Winnipeg Jets? Manitoba Bisons women's hockey team opens their title defense against the UBC Thunderbirds. Preview that playoff matchup. Also, recruit ready, Brad Black joins me to talk about big high school showcase in the States. A lot of top Winnipeg talent heading down there. That's all on the podcast. So the question after last night's Jets game was, what's wrong with this team? And there's been some thought over the last couple of weeks that, yeah, they're not at their best, but it seems like a whole new low and a really existential moment potentially for the Jets. And I'm joined by Murat Atesh, who writes for The Athletic, covering the Winnipeg Jets. Murat, uh, welcome to the show again. What did you think watching that game last night? I thought it was easily one of the worst games that I've seen the Winnipeg Jets play in the in the last two years that, that I've been covering them. Um, there haven't been a lot of awful ones, but definitely in the course of the last couple of months, there's been some competition. There was the one in Montreal. But even after the 0-0 first period, I was doing a, a podcast during the intermission, and somebody was asking me about how bullish I was on the Winnipeg Jets of late, and the process was clearly already bad, uh, even after 0-0. It was, it was really... Uh, a listless effort for sure. They were outskated. They were outworked. There were some checks missed so wild. It's, it's almost not worth dissecting the one game. It's how bad it was. And it really it really was worth the, with the score that, that we saw. Now you mentioned the Montreal game. I think a lot of us were saying the same things after that game, saying, okay, well, this is the worst they've been. This is kind of the rock bottom. They'll climb out of it against Ottawa the next game. They didn't. They've really been in this funk since they crushed Anaheim, they only have two wins in eight games. And it's not just one thing, is it? There's there's a long list of problems with the team right now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, in my efforts, I'm trying really hard not to hot take this, not to overreact to a, a short portion of the season. But uh, if you've been following at the Athletics since, since fall, we've been talking about a really average five-on-five team that's been winning with uh, with the power play and with goaltending. Well, the power play has been a little bit slower. Um, the Patrick Laine slump is going on. Five-on-five play has gotten worse without Dustin Bufflin and Nick Ehlers. There's a if you look at the underlying metrics of the Winnipeg Jets and whether it's shots, shot attempts, expected goals, whatever it is that you want to use to to measure your five-on-five play with. And let's recognize how important five on five is. That's 80% of the game for the Jets this season. Um, they've been middling through like middle tier between 10 and 20 until Bufflin and Ehlers were hurt. And since then, they've been in the bottom third of the league. So they're getting outplayed at five on five, spending more time in their own zone. Um, that's not Stanley Cup contender five on five play. I'll add to that. Because one of my biggest concerns with the with the Winnipeg Jets right now is that puck movement in their own zone is really quite is really quite lacking. The defensemen get the puck; they don't have a whole lot of puck support from their wingers. Um, there's a couple of centers. Mark Shifley's reasonably good at it. Adam Lowry's typically very good at it in terms of giving puck support on the breakout. But these defensemen are putting pucks into each other's skates. They're not seeing forward puck support, so the breakout gets uh, gets slowed up by the time the Jets are in the neutral zone. They're getting to the offensive line. There's two of them and three defenders. They're outnumbered more often than not. And when you watch them play Vegas, this is a bit of a rant now, but when you watch them play Vegas 
uh, tomorrow night. Just count how many times uh, the Winnipeg Jets are outnumbered at the offensive blue line. I think that starts in their own zone with puck support and bad puck movement. And then I'm going to add one more thing to this because my big concern is, is that puck movement. You could, you could call it a personnel issue, but even the combination of Winnipeg's top line, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, when Josh Morrissey and Jacob Schuber are on the ice, perhaps the five most desirable players you could have. Uh, I'd argue for Nick Euler is on the top line, but we'll ignore that for a second. Those five players, top line, top pairing, they've been outshot at five on five over the course of the season. So even the very best aren't getting it done and aren't dominating like you'd expect uh, from, from the top end talent. So, geez, that's a laundry list, isn't it, there, Christian? <laughs> well, I mean, that's well, that's where we are right now with a team with such high expectations going into this season and some people wondering if maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. But Paul Maurice, he loves the blender, but he's been very resistant to breaking up Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Do you think it would be better for this team if he tried that? I, I think so. I think that's something, it's an answer that Winnipeg would do so well to have. It's been so long, and we saw it for just a couple of minutes of that debacle against Colorado. Um, but it's been so long since we've seen them separated for any meaningful time um, that the the answer, can the Winnipeg Jets work with those two players split up? Now you're relying on data that's two or three years old. And, you know, when, when Blake Wheeler and Brian Little were two-thirds of a dominant possession-driving scoring line in the NHL, that was a couple of years ago for each of those guys. And um, I think it would be Winnipeg to figure out if, if they can still do it. Ideally, in my mind, that sort of experimentation happens earlier in the season when Winnipeg is banking all kinds of points and the trade deadline's a, a little ways away because now Kevin Shovel-Dayoff has some major decisions to make in terms of how to bolster this team at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, do they need a forward to solidify that second line or could a split of Shifley and Wheeler have accomplished that already? We don't know that necessarily, um, but I, th- I think that you're right. I think it's something that uh, ideally we would see. Another issue has been trying to get uh, Patrick Line going. I think I remember reading you uh, writing about m- maybe Matthew Perot playing with Patrick Line. Is that something you think is a good idea? I do think that's a good idea. Uh, and it's something that we may see tomorrow night based on line rushes and practice today. Uh, Perot Little and Patrick Line. Um, the the concern I have there um, is that uh, the concern I have there is that we're looking at data that's now two years old almost that says that the three of those guys work quite well. Um, Perot and Little have had ter- terrific numbers. Whoever's played with them, Patrick Line has done well with them before. And the real the real trick to to make Patrick Line work is just keep him in the offensive zone. He's a young guy. He's not driving play on his own. He's a gamer. He's skating back, but he doesn't have his defensive zone figured out quite yet. I think Little and Pro are the guys for that. And I think that a meaningful look at that combination to see if that's something that does work helps the Winnipeg Jets because they have the personnel to address that in-house. As much as Mark Stone is a perfect fit in my mind, there are some lesser celebrated solutions that might be available to the Jets right now. And I'm particularly curious to see that combination tomorrow night. So let's get into that now then. We have the trade deadline Monday. There's been so much smoke around the Ottawa Senators. They're dealing Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne. It's just a matter of to who and for what. You mentioned some less talked about solutions. What would some of those be? Well, um, there's in-house options. Uh, You know, if if you really want to stand pat and be conservative, there's in-house options that if 
Perot works, but ideally we would have seen that second line before now. Um, there's a potential in-house option you know, in terms of left defense uh, if we had seen several more games from a guy like Sami Miku. Um, those aren't the realities that we're looking at right now. So if you're looking for a less celebrated forward who might help that second line drive possession, um, I've done a lot of looking at Kevin Hayes out of New York. He's able to keep pace with skilled players. Uh, and he's able to drive play in a way that maybe Matt Duchesne doesn't. Matt Duchesne being a famous option, his offense is real. He's the most talented offensive player that, that we know about, but he gives it back to you in, your, in his own zone as well. Kevin Hayes is a little bit more conservative on both, uh, on both fronts, so there's a reasonable second option. I've heard Eric Stahl's name mentioned as a veteran who might fill a, a similar void right there. But the biggest rabbit out of a hat that Kevin Sheffield could possibly pull is the left defenseman option to solidify the top four. And with Alex Edler hurt, with guys like Nick Jalmerson or Nicholas Cronwall, veterans, I, I just don't see necessarily changing geography. I think the biggest, pro, uh, biggest solution available, that, that top left defenseman or somebody that slot alongside Dustin Bufflin, I don't know what name to suggest. And, and I think that's going to be Kevin Shovel-Dayoff's biggest challenge. I think a lot of the talk has been about forwards. There hasn't been much about the defense, but now that Dustin Bufflin has been having trouble staying on the ice. Is there a need to address the defense? Oh, I think so. And I think even when Dustin Bufflin was um, playing uh, alongside Ben and Sherrod, I think it was clear who was driving that pairing. Uh, a lot of that puck movement starts uh, with that pairing because Dustin Bufflin and Toby Enstrom were amongst the most difficult to generate scoring chances against last season. You count them all up. I think they were the fifth most effective pairing at protecting their slot. It was near impossible by any metric to get chances against them. I think that's the pairing, even with a healthy Dustin Bufflin, that is kind of the difference between Winnipeg as defense is um, having defense as an overall team strength and being caught a little bit exposed and and spending a little bit too much time in their own zone. Because Ben Sherratt's a gamer, battles in front of the net, battles in the corner, but he can get lost in coverage and those breakout passes just aren't what they were uh, for Winnipeg a year ago. So if they are to make a trade, I guess what roster player that's been talked about would hurt for them to have to give up? Well, I think the most prized guy that, that you've heard um, that, that folks ask about all the time is Jack Roslevic. And, you know, for a lot of folks, you and I talked about this once, could he be the next generation of Brian Little? Could he be a second line center with effectiveness going down, down the line? I'm not convinced. But even if he ends up on wing, that's still a valuable player and a valuable asset. And then there's some big game hunters I've, I've read and maybe a little bit more fantastical stuff that if you've got a mind to trade for Mark Stone and then re-sign him somehow because of the cap realities that there are, could an even more prized forward like Kyle Connor go out the door? I don't think so. I don't think that that's a realistic thing. But um, when you talk about the superstars of the world, like um, like a Mark Stone or even Artemi Panarin's name was thrown around by, um, oh, geez, I don't want to use the wrong insider, but one of the guys that we trust was thrown around for Winnipeg. I think today. I saw Aaron Porcelain um, uh, mentioned that on Twitter today. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. That's the one. Thanks. <laughs> Got my back. Um, but when those certain, when that quality is out there, I mean, this amount of game breakers, and that's why we're talking about forwards so much, even though I think Winnipeg needs defense, is because there's some simply elite players out there, and I mean, they have costs. So, um, you know, it, if it ends up being Jack Rosovic for an elite player, uh, geez, that's a dear price. But given that this team's going to be so expensive next year, I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure I say no to that in the right scenario. So we are convinced that they will make a trade before Monday. 
In my opinion, yeah. If I if I'm betting on it one way or another, I say yes. There is a trade of some kind between now and Monday. All right. Maybe more than one. Well, it's going to be a fascinating time. Whenever there's adversity, it's fun to kind of be in the market and hear so many people worried about what's going on. But the trade deadline adds to that too. So the next uh, 72 hours are going to be pretty fun to be in Winnipeg. So I appreciate your time as always, Murat. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what goes down. The Manitoba Bisons women's hockey team opens its postseason tomorrow night at Wayne Fleming Arena against the UBC, UBC Thunderbirds. Bisons finished as the two seed in the Canada West Conference, finishing behind Alberta. UBC was third. Bisons, of course, the national champions last spring. I caught up with members of the team earlier this week. Jordan Zacharias. Alana Sharman. Erica Reeder. So you've had a bye week. How ready are you to get uh, back on the ice for this game, Fred? Very ready. <laughs> a little nervous. Very ready, though. Um, so, yeah, yesterday we had, it was a holiday, so we had the full day off, and I just kept thinking about how I want it to be Friday already. So I think that describes it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, obviously we went through this last year, too, so at least we kind of know what to expect. And, yeah, it's going to be really big to come out hard because UBC already played last weekend, so we got to come prepared on Friday, but everyone's pretty excited, so I think it shouldn't be a problem. Erica, you said you're nervous. Is that a natural feeling going into the playoffs? That's just me always. That's just my everyday self. Um, Yeah, no, I I get nervous, but I think that helps me, actually, in a way. Um, Like, a little bit of nerves is always good. Um, And, you know, we know BC will come in here and want to play hard, but having a little bit of nerves and a little jump in your step is, is a good thing. So what do you, I guess, what's the scouting report on UBC having played them a number of times already this year? Yeah, um, they're a very big team. They're very fast. They have good goaltending. Um, I mean, we've played them, me and Reader have played them for five years, and we know pretty much what they're about. But, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be different. Playoffs are always different. There's going to be a lot more grit and grind. So it's going to be a fun weekend for sure. Having you know been down this road last year, being the national champions, you know what it takes to get through the playoffs. How much does that help you going into this year? Yeah, I mean, I think having the experience is going to help us a lot, especially with how veteran our team is. We only have three rookies this year, so everyone's kind of been through it. Um, as much as you don't want to dwell on last year, you also it does help a little bit. And knowing that this is your final year, how much does that play into <laughs> this final run? Um, yeah, it's huge. Um, I've known this moment has been coming for a while, um, <laughs> so it's here. Uh, trying to make the most of it, just just trying to live in the moment and just be happy where I am, and and hopefully go out there and and play a good series against them. And hopefully that this isn't the last series, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the plan for the weekend. <laughs> win win some hockey games. We. Um, we're definitely excited. I mean, we hosted semis last year as well, and it was a really fun atmosphere, and it was it was hard three games, but I think we're physically prepared, and I mentally, I think our team is pretty good there. So, Jordan, how much does the bye week help you, but also kind of drive you crazy because it's been a while? Yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, we've tried to, like, maintain our same kind of schedule. We practiced uh, Friday and Saturday to try and keep that schedule of, uh, as if we were going to play, but... Uh, yeah, it does help in a bit. You get that rest, especially after like a long season, like some bruised bodies, so everyone gets to recover. Um, but you also, you're getting excited to play, and I think it helps a little bit because it makes you more hungry when, when you're ready to go. So.
Yeah, um, it's always nice to get a little bit rest, especially right before playoffs. Um, our bodies are pretty beaten up by this point in the season. But um, yeah, UBC had a really good weekend last weekend, scoring 10 goals in two games. So they obviously have a little bit of confidence coming into here, but um, we're pretty pretty confident from our second half of the season. So I feel like we were trending in the right direction. So hopefully uh, first game, get, get the nerves out in the first shift and then go out and play. It's Bison's hockey players, Erica Reeder, Alana Sharman, and Jordan Zacharias. Here's head coach Sean Fisher. Going into the season compared to where you are now, what have you learned about being a head coach? Um, You're coaching about 30% of the time, and you're an administrator about 70% of the time. But um, uh, the crew uh, is is awesome, and it's what what I've learned, and I think anyone that knows anything about our team and our program is that it's players that win games that's that is we, we, we have great players and you know we won 120 games this year and that's uh that's no small feat um and that's a credit to our players so coming off a national championship how do you think the team handled the the expectations of the follow-up like pros they were uh they were professional all the way through no one took a day off um in the gym, no one took a day off practice. Uh, we came prepared to go every Friday night, um, uh, made quality adjustments, and uh, and 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 completed the weekend uh, every weekend. So, pretty impressed with that, actually. To be honest with you, there wasn't there wasn't much of a, a championship hangover there. UBC, what have you learned about them playing them this year so far? Uh, big, fast, skilled, um, quality goaltending, uh, good special teams. Uh, they match up well against us, so we're. Uh, we're all those things as well, so um, it'll be a heavyweight bout here on Friday night and uh, those that are in attendance at Wayne Fleming are going to get their money's worth. I imagine you're not thinking about Alberta right now, right? I'm not thinking about Alberta right now. Yeah. What have you been most impressed about this, the team that you have this season? Uh, maturity, um, which I kind of thought it would be that way, but uh, I mean, they when you have... Ten kids in their fourth and fifth year, they, they coach themselves in a lot of ways. You know, they take a little bit of direction from the staff, but uh, the the hockey IQ that's in that dressing room and their day to day habits are so so good. I've never been around a group of players that are so hardworking and hold themselves to such a high standard. The 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 level of accountability that they hold themselves to in that dressing room is off the charts. So uh, that would be the thing that I'm probably most impressed with. Finally, you had a first round by how ready do you think this team is just ready to get on the ice and get it going again yeah yeah i think they're i think they're chomping at the bit uh you can kind of see it in practice it's been a little bit sharper each day throughout uh throughout the bye here um they're uh they're gonna be ready they're gonna be ready on uh, on friday night that is manitoba bison's women's hockey coach sean fisher by the way i just saw this on twitter from spring hill entertainment space gm 2 july 6th july 16th 2021 Mark it on your calendar. Space Jam 2 will be in theaters. Woot. All right. Joined on the line by Brad Black from Recruit Ready. He's been on the show before. Brad, how are you tonight? Doing well, Christian. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, Brad. I understand you're uh, preparing for a pretty big uh, weekend coming up in Las Vegas. We are, actually. It's our uh, our first tournament of the year. And we head down to, uh, it's called the Las Vegas uh, Pylon 7-on-7 National Tournament. And uh, we're taking the best 11th grade and younger players from from Winnipeg and bringing them down there. And we're going to play against, you know, the top 
top high school kids from uh, from all around the U.S. So remind, yeah, remind our listeners who may not know what Recruit Ready is. So um, basically, we train uh, the top high school football players in the province. You know, we have college guys, and pro guys, and it gives them an opportunity to to, to work on uh, you know the fundamentals of the game during the off season, as well as uh, work on speed training. And uh, um, you know, because of where we are and our climate, and whatnot, we have to move everything inside. So we kind of bring everyone together and, and give them an opportunity to, to to work those skills in the off season. So you mentioned the showcase is a seven on seven showcase. How is seven on seven a, a good way to kind of show off an offense or defensive abilities? So, so basically it allows you to run, um, you know, what essentially is, is the passing game and, um, you know, it, it, it's it's not tackle, but it's about as close as it gets. You know, you can it's hard press, you know, bump and run, hard walling, all the all the stuff you're going to do in a in a secondary in football. You're going to do uh, in seven on seven. So um, the QB has four seconds to throw the ball, so it kind of simulates like a, a pass rush, and um, you know these guys just compete against each other. And and what's nice is in the U.S., you know. Um, kids from big metro areas don't get to play on all-star teams, you know, where in seven on seven, it kind of gives them an opportunity for, for each city to, to put all their best kids on, on one or two teams. And, you know, it, it allows you to see what each city has and um, it, it allows the best to play with the best and against the best. So it, um, it, it you know, it simulates the game as best you can without the, the hitting and, and the tackling and it allows the best athletes to go at it. So, um, you know, that just uh, gives these guys and scouts an opportunity to see how these kids can compete. And it also elevates the, the level of the play of our kids. You know, um, they go down to a tournament in the U.S. and play against these kids, and they come back to Winnipeg. And, you know, their football and confidence is just uh, it's, it's on another level. So not only is this good practice, but it's also an opportunity for, for scouts to take a peek. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, um, you know, the only kid we've had in Manitoba in the last what 15 years to get a full division one scholarship is, uh, his name is Brady Oliveira and Brady, uh, actually got his, his scholarship offer at university of North Dakota, um, during our seven on seven tournament there. So, um, you know, if you're not getting your offer at the tournament, like Brady did, you're, you're, you're definitely getting your name out there and, and, um, you know, if, if you're good enough to play division one, you know, they're going to find you. So, so how did you determine the roster that's heading down with you? So, um, basically we, we held tryouts through December and, and the whole thing is free. So if you make our team, you don't pay for nothing. Like your, your clothing, your, your flights, your hotel, tournament fees, transportation, everything's for free. So it, it allowed us to really have all the best athletes come out. You know, money's not an issue here you can ball, you know, you're coming. So um, we went through the selection process and, you know, a lot of these kids have come up to our program and, you know, if they haven't, we're watching film and we're, we're watching these kids during the high school year. So um, we really feel that we have the best group and um, we're really excited with, with the potential that they have. And so these are players that uh, might not be, I guess, starting on their high school teams yet because they're just they're not grade twelve oh, students. No, these, these kids are are the cream of the crop okay. in, in high school football. They're grade eleven and younger. And I mean, um, yeah, we have kids that have played for Team Canada, 
Um, we have kids that are going to get, you know, there, there, there is some division one talent on this team. There's no doubt. Um, you know, these, these kids are, yeah, they're definitely the, the cream of the crop in high school football. And, and in some cases, uh, all of Canada, I mean, we, we got the number two rated player in, in all of Canada for the class of 2021 on our team, you know, multiple kids in the top 50 in Canada, top 100 in Canada. So, um, we definitely got, got, got the top talent. So finally, why is it important then to take these opportunities, go to the States and really match up against the kinds of talent that you might not see here in Canada? Well, it's, it's good for two reasons. You know, like I mentioned, you're, you're, you're um, going to get that opportunity. If you can hang with these kids down there, man, I'll tell you what you can, um, you, you, you can hang with anybody, you know, there's four and five star kids at these tournaments all the time. Um, the next thing or the, the next benefit of this is um, obviously the elevated competition. So you're going and, and, you know, you're playing against stronger kids, faster kids, bigger kids. So, you know, you play against them, you compete against them, you come back to Winnipeg and your game is just, you know, it's that much higher. And the third thing that I think a, a lot of people um, really kind of forget about is, you know, the systems that we're running on offense and defense are, are really high level systems. You know, we're running a pro, a pro style offense. Um, you know, football's turned to, even to the passing game, you know, a lot more than the running game down south. And, um, you know, this, this really gets these kids an opportunity to work in these, you know, high level offensive and defensive systems that they normally wouldn't see until uh, they get to college. So, um, you know, it really gives them an opportunity for that. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, as a football player playing high school, especially in Winnipeg, you're not really passing the ball that much. It's, it's still a running league. And, you know, you go down to these tournaments and you're getting an opportunity to really see, you know, how you are as a defensive back or a receiver or a linebacker uh, in space. So, um, you know, there's just so many benefits to it. And, and the fact that it's not tackle keeps them safe uh, and allows them to work their skills. So um, we're really excited about it. And, and, and I know in the U.S. it's, it's absolutely caught fire. So. Um, we're just we're just doing our best up here to bring the best kids down there. So, well, Brad, have a great time this weekend, and uh, best of luck. Thanks again, Christian. Take care, man. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from seven to nine PM with Christian O'Mel and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes. Not available on Google Podcasts. Not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes. <laughs>